Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD. In an uncertain economy, if you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to kirkelliottphd.com and make an appointment today. Coming up um, on the weekend uh, prior to the release of Police State, Debbie and I are going to do a special episode discussing several key issues in the film. Are we becoming a police state? What are the origins of the police state in America? Who's the primary target? What's the real missing piece of the puzzle on January 6th? Are ordinary citizens also in danger? Is this bigger than just America? And finally, what do we do? Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy in a time of confusion, division, and lies. We need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Debbie and I are here for our Friday Roundup, but you'll notice our, our format is a little different. Normally we sit, <laughs> but we decided to <laughs> rearrange the table. And also, I mean, this was also here yesterday, but I didn't take any note of it. Notice our new backdrop, your idea. Yeah. To, uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool to have the, the poster now. In, in When you're alone, we don't have the poster just the backdrop, but we figured this way people can see the poster would be kind of cool. Well, Not right, and the thumbnail has the poster. So. We're right on the verge of releasing Police State on Monday, the first day in the theater. In fact, you can be the first to see the movie. And that's even before the virtual premiere, even before the uh, our official premiere, which is... Our uh, hometown is sold out. Our hometown is sold out. A bunch yeah. of theaters are sold out. Yeah. There are still tickets available, though. So if you can... But you got to go. Move. Uh, get them today. Get them this weekend. And um, as I've said before, this is a movie we make for the theater. So in other words, it's very cinematic. Uh, you can see it in other formats, and it works well, but the theater is a kind of a unique experience. So try to go, if you can, go to policestatefilm.net. That's the website, policestatefilm.net. Should mention, you cannot get uh, tickets from Fandango or from the theater. Don't just go to the theater saying, I'll buy a ticket when I get there. No, you won't be able to buy a ticket. Why? Because we have bought out these theaters. And uh, so um, you buy the tickets online, uh, and then you show up and you present your ticket as normal and you, you can watch the movie. Now, if you can't make it to the theater, then you should, you should sign up for the virtual premiere. It's for the same price as the theater ticket. And, um, and that's also from policestatefilm.net will be, will have, well, we have this cool song by, uh, Forgiato Blow, which is the song that's used in the closing credits of the movie, but he's going to perform it live. Then we have the full screening of the movie, and then we have a, a live Q&A with Dan Bongino and me to follow. This is for uh, for the virtual premiere. We're doing it out of this amazing studio in Las Vegas, 
and it is Friday, uh, October 27th. So, well, we thought we would devote the, uh, the special episode to just a discussion of some of the key themes related to a police state. Now, um, maybe I'd start by asking you this question. I mean, uh, we, I think we both as immigrants feel a little surprised that we're making a film called Police State. And, uh, but unlike India, which is a society that has a lot of corruption, a lot of poverty, Venezuela has moved in the direction of a police state. And you have really, from really from the time I met you, been warning that, gee, I'm beginning to see some, some troubling parallels between Venezuela and the United States. So in a sense, you, well, you warned against it, but you also saw it coming. I did see it coming. And, and I, I've been following the Venezuelan police state for two decades. So it, it, it's, it began with people not really knowing who they were voting for or why they were voting, you know, for him. I know that a lot of people don't really understand the politics of Venezuela. And, and to a certain extent, it, it's understandable. Obviously, it's South America. Nobody really cares about any other country but America. But because I have roots in Venezuela, I was born there. I still have family there. I followed it very closely. And in 1999, when Hugo Chavez won the election, he won it democratically. People went out and voted for him. He campaigned as a no-nonsense uh person, you know, a, a politician that was not going to be your typical politician. He 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 ran on anti-corruption, uh, but he didn't run on anti-capitalism. And a lot of people assume that Hugo Chavez was a socialist from the get-go, but he didn't form the Socialist Party of Venezuela till way later, uh, probably almost a decade later. So he ran as a, as a centrist, really. Um, and, and so my grandparents were fooled into, into voting for him because they thought, you know what? Venezuela has had a lot of corruption. Um, they, they, they didn't really have a right wing party and a left wing party like we do here. It was more center left, center right. Uh, still very similar to the Republican pl- party platform and the Democratic po- party platform, but, but a little bit closer to the middle. And, um, but, uh, there are people that argue that even the right wing party was, was secret communists. I mean, there's a lot of people that say that. And even to this day, there is a coalition of, of right wingers that are, that say Venezuela has never had a true right wing representation. Yeah. And so these are like the MAGA types, you know, in, in Venezuela and they have, they have some in Argentina, as we as, as we've seen, and they have some in in Brazil, but um, but the police state began uh, when people woke up to Hugo Chavez and decided that that was not what they wanted in their country, and so they were against the regime, and essentially the boot was stamped on their forehead. To, to put down the newly awakened yes. uh, Venezuelan majority um, that was now resisting Hugo Chavez. Exactly. And, and then you're saying it's just stayed, it's remained intact, and in some ways they've now, I mean, the police state now in Venezuela is supported by external forces. Exactly. Russia, China, Iran, mm. all of them propping up so that it, it's so even if you have a majority against Maduro, the majority is now contending against these 
Well, they outside are outside powers. Yes. And they are propping him up. They right. are giving him money. So even the sanctions that we, uh, that we m- made, uh, don't really matter much because they get money from Iran. They get money from Russia. They get money from China. And, you know, as I told you, um, a, a couple weeks ago, Hezbollah is, is very, very, uh, present in the Venezuelan government. I mean, the reason the Venezuelan example is important, I think, is because traditionally police states are established by a revolutionary military or violent overthrow of the government. Castro took power by overthrowing Batista, established a police state. Uh, Lenin led the Bolsheviks into a rebellion against the Tsar, pushed away all the other parties. They took power by force. Uh, Mao, of course, had came came to power uh, the same way. Uh, Pol Pot in Cambodia. So the Venezuelan example is interesting because you have a society that democratically made this transition, at least democratically initially. Now the you say one. the first one. The first election had it, been the only legitimate election right. in Venezuela in two decades. Right, which which raises a point people should be aware of, and that is that part of what police states do is rig elections. During times of economic uncertainty and political upheaval, it's crucial to have a reliable source of financial guidance and insight. This is where Dr. Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., and his esteemed wealth management advisory firm come into play. Dr. Kirk Elliott has distinguished himself with two PhDs in economics and theology. He's built a reputation in expert financial solutions tailored to your unique needs. His firm specializes in wealth management, offering a comprehensive array of services to protect and grow your assets in an ever-changing world. In an environment filled with economic volatility and shifting political landscapes, right now, finding a trusted partner during these challenges is essential. Dr. Elliott's firm employs cutting-edge strategies and an understanding of the markets to guide you toward financial success. Go to KirkElliottPhD.com. That's Kirk Elliott, Elliott with two L's and two T's. KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh. Book an appointment. They will walk you through their process about investing. That's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh. Or you can call or text. Here's the number 720-605-3900. America was founded as a society that would be the opposite of a police state. Uh, if there was a single word that the founders could unite around or galvanize around, it was freedom. And this freedom originally meant freedom from foreign control, namely the uh, the rule of the British. But once the British were pushed out, the question is, what does freedom mean now? And so the founders realized that freedom means giving people the scope, citizens the scope, to live their own lives. And to do that, it wasn't simply a matter of enumerating rights, although that was done in the Bill of Rights, but it was a matter of structuring the government in such a way that there would be uh, there would be democratic elections, but nevertheless, the, the scope of the state would be control, limited government. Uh, and even though you have limited government, it wouldn't be able to, it wasn't a singular government because you have a separation of the legislature and the executive, the judiciary. So uh, you have not only separation of powers, but checks and balances. So the founders did all this work to create an architecture 
that would make it difficult for power to become concentrated in such a way as to have a police state. And so the question is, how is it that we have come at least some of the way down the road to a police state given the founding architecture? Is it just that we have, as a country, moved away from the founding? What do you think? Um, well, I, I don't think that. I think half the country has moved away from the found, founding and the other half do, has not. So, you know, which is, which is why we're called conservatives. We're conserving the founding. Uh, and the other half of the country, and not only the other half of the country, but the ones that actually own the police state, the ones that are in the police state, um, are moving away from the founding. They obviously don't believe in the Constitution. They obviously don't believe in the founding. They're the same people that say the founders were racist. They're the same people that say the founders were, um, were oppressors. So again, it's not a, it's not a surprise as to who's running the police state, right? Because if you're, if you're truly a constitutionalist, you're not going to have a police state because it's the antithesis of a police state. Yeah. I think that what you have is this party of progress and you can even see it in their name. They, the name that they give themselves these days, they don't use the word liberal anymore. I remember when we flash back to the eighties and nineties, it was the liberal against the conservative. But I think even the, and conservatives at that time would point out, you're not really liberal. You know, you're illiberal. I mean, my first book, illiberal education, but even, even, I think the progressives have realized we don't really fit with the liberal label. They don't even like it. So they like progressive. And for them, progress is not, is not holding on to the founding principles because those are in the past. It's moving away from, uh, from the past to a future. Now, interestingly, the people establishing the police state have not given up the language of freedom. In fact, they insist on it. And, and I, I mean, the point that our police state marches behind banners of democracy, we're saving democracy, upholding the rule of law, protecting freedom, fighting for truth against disinformation and misinformation. So ours is a police state with a lot of flim flam and a lot of pretense. It pretends to be one thing, but, but there is some truth. There are people on the left who sincerely and passionately believe that we, the right, are a threat to their freedom. How can they say that? Well, what freedom do they want that we are threatening? And, and it gives you some idea as to what their definition is of freedom. Well, I think their freedom is really based on freedom from religion. Because I think that when we, when we, all of the things that they're saying we're taking away from them, think about it. Abortion. Well, I mean, why do we believe abortion is immoral, right? Because of our biblical beliefs. Uh, they don't believe that, right? So, so that is, that, that is something that they're fighting against. You know, freedom of, uh, to, to assemble and pray in public, in a public sphere. They hate that. So all of the things that they claim we're for and they're against kind of all stem around the, 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 just the biblical truth. Well, yeah. Account. I think that's a really good insight because even think about their advocacy of the trans agenda. There is a, there is a sense on the left that we cannot be bound by the strictures of nature and we cannot be bound by the strictures of morality. 
So they're trying to get away from the notion that nature sets firm bounds, uh, even on our species. I mean, you, you now have people who claim, like, I'm a rabbit. Right now, it's hard to take that stuff seriously, but it would be hard to take seriously 10 years ago, someone who said, I'm a woman and, and they have, you know, male genitalia. And yeah, so, so things that seem absurd yeah. are, are subsequently normalized by the left. But the common theme here is that it's an attack on not just religion, but traditional morality. Exactly. And, and they define freedom as freedom from morality, from those, yes. from those rules. And by that definition, we are the bully state. The oppressors of, right. of that kind of freedom. And then, no, for them, interestingly, things like censoring others, uh, establishing complicated regimes of censorship, um, trying to go after their political opposition, right. trying to criminalize uh, political opposition, filing 90 plus charges against Trump. None of that is police state at all. Right, They're like, right. in fact, they say that's upholding the rule of law. Fighting the Second Amendment. I mean, how, you know, they, in a democratic society where people are allowed to own guns, like in Venezuela, one of the things that happened with the, with the emerging police state is the confiscation of weapons in, for the citizens. They could no longer defend themselves, not only against the regime, but other criminals, criminals running the streets who were kind of a part of the regime called the colectivos. So, so citizens didn't have, uh, weapons to, uh, to defend themselves. And, the, and the establishment of the police state came really rapidly right after that. Exactly. Exactly. So, so see all these things, all these common threads that are, that are attacking us, the, the patriot, the conservative, the Republican. Um, it, it's basically all of the little things that, that we see happening in other police states are slowly happening here because even with the Second Amendment, what happens is that they try to make even the citizen that actually loves and promotes the Second Amendment to go, Hey, wait a minute. There have been a lot of shootings. We, we really should think about this notion of us being able to own guns because there's, you know, guns are in the wrong hands many times and people that have mental illness have a gun. Well, they shouldn't have a gun. And then we start saying who should have guns and who shouldn't have guns. Soon, no one will have I mean, the common pattern here is that crisis and fear are the easiest mechanisms to get people to give up their rights. Israel is at war because of senseless, horrifying attacks from brutal terrorists targeting innocent civilians, including women and children. Now, you and I simply have to do something to help the victims of these attacks. This is why I am partnering with the International Federation of Christians and Jews. This is how we can do our part to help. We need to do what we can to help children and families hit by the war in Israel. It's an urgent need, and it's the right thing to do. Help Israel in its darkest hour. Phone your donation to 800-249-0606. Again, that's 800-249-0606. Your emergency gift will help the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews save lives and provide critical essentials needed right now. The number again to call, 800-249-0606. One of the things that we do in the film is we try to identify the origins of the police state. And, and, and this is important because 
if the left says the right is doing the police state and the right says, no, the left is doing it, one way you resolve that is you, well, you define a police state, but then you see when did it start, how is it organized, how does it operate, who's behind it, who's running it, and once you answer those questions, you're like, now I know, I can now answer that question. But let's talk about the origin of the police state. Do you think that the police state began in this century, or do you think that there were roots of it that go even earlier into into the 20th century? Well, Hoover, um, which is he was the he ran the CIA, the FBI. Right? The FBI. Um, apparently, he had a list. <laughs> no, that's right. And and so the when when was when was this? What well, I mean, this? this is this Hoover was the longtime head of the FBI, right? And um, you know, this is a guy who had he had apparently he had the goods on Nixon, he had the goods on John F. Kennedy. Uh, this was a guy who was who had commissioned the surveillance of Martin Luther King. So right. we're talking about the fifties and sixties, right? So he, right? So he was he was kind of big brother himself. He took it with yeah, him rogue. I, I think so. Although I think it's important to note that with Hoover, it's kind of like he was a very cagey guy. Apparently, he was he had a very bizarre personal history and and, and life, and he sort of thought that the way that he would stay in power is sort of is have the goods on everybody. So nobody could really go after him. He had the goods on them. Now, on the other hand, I don't believe that Hoover had any tyrannical vision of really running the country, nor did he, nor was he trying to put his finger on the balance of the election. Like it wasn't that he said, okay, listen, I don't like Kennedy. I'm going to make sure Nixon wins. Uh, he didn't do those things. So in a sense, although he was a macabre and insidious yeah. fellow in some respects, yeah. It was not the systematic police state that we're dealing right. with now, in which the FBI, by the way, is only one part of a much, a much, much larger bigger, picture. Right, right. Because it's the agencies, correct? The agencies of government. It, yes. It's, it's, and now the, yeah, it, it's the ATF. It's the DHS. I mean, the DHS is 15 or 20 times bigger than the FBI because it has a massive arsenal of agents and money. And in fact, a lot of the censorship and a lot of the bad stuff, a lot of the political surveillance and tracking is coming out of DHS, right? not out of And the that FBI. was after 9-11. And that was after 9-11. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think that that was the turning point or would you go back to Waco and Ruby Ridge? I think Waco and Ruby Ridge woke up a lot of Americans. To? To the fact that if they don't like what you're doing, they will find a way to take it away or jail you or, in those instances, kill you. I mean, I think what happened with Waco and Ruby Ridge, both were in the 90s. Now, now, if I remember, Ruby Ridge was under Bush. Was that right? Um, <laughs> and I think Waco was under Clinton. I know Waco was under Clinton. Yes, it, it was kind of the cusp. Right. Yes. yes and. And so in, in Ruby Ridge, it was, they were going after the, these so-called militia guys. Right. And in Waco, they were going after these cult guys, right? Yes. Which is David but, Koresh. But the excuse was it wasn't, they didn't go after them because they were a cult. They went after them because they had weapons. Right. Rob, but I think a lot of Americans were not only okay with what happened, but even cheered at some of them because they thought these people are weirdos. You know, the guys who live in the mountains, like, like mountain men. And then you've got this, this weird cult and some allegations of all this weird sexual stuff. 
I, I think this is important because, well, fast forward to something Hillary Clinton recently said, which is that MAGA supporters might need to be, quote, formally deprogrammed. Think about that. Formally de-pro- so what is she saying? She's saying that, first of all, that MAGA is a cult. Likened to Waco. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some people go, well, this is ridiculous. This is our basket of deplorables all over again. I think it's actually more insidious more than sinister. that. More sinister. More sinister because mm-hmm. what she's really saying is that I am going to dehumanize these people as a cult, as a prelude to people thinking, it's okay if we incarcerate these people. Well, it's okay if we kill them. Look at January 6th. Look at, look at how the, what they're lumping us with, right? So not only are we, we should we be deprogrammed, but we're insurrectionists. We're trying to overthrow the government. Overthrow the government. Illicitly. Exactly. And, and they, and and they are, the government is justified in coming down on us as if we are ISIS. I mean, here's what's interesting is with the Hamas attacks, we, we get a a reminder as if we needed, this is terrorism, right? We saw it at 9-11. We saw it earlier in the 20th century with the IRA and several other terrorist groups. We all, we've also seen domestic terrorism. Bill Ayers was a domestic terrorist, planning a bomb at the Pentagon, trying to bomb the um, buildings in Manhattan and so on. So the Weather Underground was a terrorist organization. MAGA is not a terrorist group. No. MAGA didn't do this on January 6th. It isn't doing it now. Well, I likened, uh, I likened the Weather Underground to Antifa. Right. You know, and Antique does not be that way by these people. Right. Can you imagine? Well, this shows you that police states have a way of defining these issues in which enemies of the police state are labeled enemies of the state and friends of the police state are, are let off the hook. They're protesters. They're protesters. If aches and pains are your problem, Relief Factor is your solution. Try it for yourself and find out. Debbie and I started taking Relief Factor a couple of years ago. We've seen a huge difference in our joints. Nothing short of amazing. Aches and pains are totally gone thanks to this 100% drug-free solution called Relief Factor. How does it work? Relief Factor supports your body's fight against inflammation. That's the source of aches and pains. More than 1 million people have tried Relief Factor, and the vast majority, about 70%, have gone on to become regular customers. Debbie's a true believer. She can now do exercises that for a long time she wasn't able to do. So Relief Factor's been a big game changer for her, her aunt, other members of our family, Mike here in the studio, and for many other people. You too can benefit. Try it for yourself. Order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. The number again, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. You mentioned in the last segment, um, January 6th, uh, and interestingly, this film began as a film about January 6th, right? right. But we, we, we knew that that was, that something was deeply wrong there. We also knew that the story of January 6th hadn't been really told. We wanted to break new ground on January 6th, and we do, we do in the movie. But we also saw that January 6th itself was part of, a part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Much bigger. Because when you think about things like, well, censorship, Censorship both preceded January 6th. There was COVID censorship before, but then censorship was expanded after January 6th. Um, you have lots of people, and maybe we should talk about this uh, also in this episode, 
uh, lots of people who are unconnected with January 6th who are being surveilled or pursued by the police state. Uh, so it goes. So even if somebody were to say, uh, I'm not Trump, I didn't go in the Capitol, those guys may, should not feel invulnerable. They too can be targeted by the police state. But let's talk about, let's talk about Trump for a moment here because, because he is the poster boy. Uh, I mean, the left makes him the poster boy of the police state. He's carrying out a police state or he represents an authoritarian threat. But I think it's far more clear that Trump is the target of the police state, but he's their pathological target. I mean, they, they are so determined to go after him as opposed to anyone else. I mean, we know that they don't like other Republican candidates, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Why do you think? But why him? Why him? Why is well, he in yeah. their sights? And if they could get rid of one person, let's say you you offered the left a choice, you can get rid of all the other Republican candidates put together, or you can get rid of Trump. Well, it's interesting. Did 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 Bush or Romney or McCain ever run on "I'm going to drain the swamp"? <laughs> I don't think they did. I think they were part of the swamp, and so I don't think that they that was their 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 mantra, right? But Trump came in and said, I'm going to drain the swamp. Now, he didn't, right? And he should have, but he didn't. And I think that that alone was reason enough to make him a primary target because they don't want him to drain the swamp. Yeah, I I mean, I think looking back that with Trump, that the um, in the first term, I mean, in in, in, uh, 2016, even though he came in, he was an outsider. So he knew about the swap, but he didn't really know the, how the, how these organs all operate. Uh, in that sense, I would contrast in a way Trump with DeSantis because DeSantis is a government guy. He's a, he's a bureaucratic guy. In fact, he's been in bureaucratic organizations about almost all his life. He was in the military. Then he moves into government. So he is somebody who functions in that. Whereas Trump is a business guy. He's from the outside. He didn't function. I don't think. Yeah. And I think he thought that there were big spenders and wasteful guys and corrupt guys. I'm not sure that he knew that even these police agencies had all been sort of structured in a way that they could be mobilized against him. Otherwise, he would have fired he would have fired Comey. He would have fired Christopher Ray. Yeah. Well, you know, the, and also the, the thing that was really interesting with, with Trump was that the people he surrounded himself with, cabinet, you know, chief of staffs, they didn't have his, his best interest. And, and so a lot of them kind of stabbed him in the back. And that's a remarkable, he's had, you know, he's had more backstabbers. I mean, Reagan had one or two backstabbers, yeah. but he, Reagan didn't have. More backstabbers oh, than non-backstabbers, non. right, than not. Yeah. And so, so, but I think, and there are people today who bash Trump and they say, you know, Trump didn't do this and Trump didn't do that and Trump was wrong about COVID. And, but we've got to realize that when you come into the government, I mean, who knew? You didn't know and I didn't know and Trump didn't know that the CDC, the, the, the Center for Disease Control has been corrupted. As you know, I, I was a fan of the CDC. I'm, I'm a germaphobe and I've always, I've always felt like we need an what agency. What does the CDC say about well, you it? Know, yeah, we need an agency that is nonpartisan. And I always believed that they were nonpartisan. I never thought they took sides. I didn't, I didn't think they did until, until COVID. And right. then I was like, so surprised. 
and shocked. Yeah. So when COVID comes along, Trump goes, you know what? What can we do? They're telling us to shut down the economy. Let's do that temporarily and race to a vaccine. He did the, he did in a sense, the logical thing that you would do under normal circumstances. It's just that we were even then not in a normal circumstance. And we have, and, no and, and what we now know, and he knows. So in that sense, I think that when you, when you make an assessment of somebody, you have to pay attention to the circumstances that they found themselves in initially. And I think that the extent of the infiltration of the police state, which was uh, really, I think, um, r- ramped up under Obama. I mean, I saw a slight glimpse of it in my case. But again, even in my case, I was completely naive because, I mean, you know this as well as anyone. I thought it was a one-off. I thought, okay, you know what? Dumb me. I made this movie. I annoyed this vindictive narcissist. He's going after me. I should have known there's a target on my back. But I didn't see it as a prelude to something bigger. You know, it's going to come for Papadopoulos and Carter Page and it's going to come for Michael Flynn and now now for Trump. Well, interestingly, around the time that you got targeted, there had been other targets like like my friend Tom DeLay. Right. <laughs> so and there was IRS targeting. There was IRS targeting. So I had seen there was a little bit of a pattern there happening. And, and then with you, it was like, whoa. You know, this is getting bigger and, and, and it just continued. It, it almost like snowballed into something that we now call the police state. And we probably, had Hillary been elected, we probably would have had a full fledged oh, police state. Oh my raid. gosh. Uh, so in that sense, we, we bought some time. We, we briefly got a respite with Trump, but now, of course, they're completely at it again. Last month, the G20 group announced it welcomed discussion of the effects of implementing central bank digital currencies in their countries. These currencies could allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. In essence, they enable the government to take control over your finances. Now, concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold. Debbie and I are customers. We buy our gold through Birch Gold. But find out for yourself. Text Dinesh to 989898. They'll send you a free information kit on gold. And here's the easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer. If you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text Dinesh to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold. There's no obligation, only information. If digital currency becomes a reality, it's going to be nice for you to have some gold to fall back on. I want to make a point about January 6th that I think is brought out very powerfully in the movie, because this point radically contradicts the left's narrative on January 6th. So the left's narrative on January 6th is that these Trumpsters all stormed into the Capitol with one motive. And their motive was to stop what was going on. And what was going on was the certification of the election. However, that is not in fact what was going on. What was going on is that one after the other, Republicans had already started, but they were making a coordinated campaign to challenge the outcome of the election in key states. And in fact, they're the states from 2000 mules, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and so on. 
And so it was that process that came to a, an abrupt halt. It was that process that was never revived. And in fact, after January 6th, right away in the middle of the night, they were like, okay, this is it. We just got to certify by. So, so the point is the Trumpsters who went in the Capitol had no motive to stop the questioning of the election, but somebody else did. The Democrats. The Democrats realized this questioning of the election is not a road we want to go down. Right. It's going to stop today. We have got to figure out. <laughs> so this, all of this is a way uh, of, of recognizing that the whole January 6th committee was a propaganda project. Liz Cheney was basically, you know, a stooge of yeah, Nancy Pelosi yeah. and that the real truth remains submerged. Yeah. And look, we can't resolve the issue of January 6th, but I think we bring out so many dazzling new insights yeah. and angles. Uh, and then integrated into this larger theme that it's really going to leave people yeah. going, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly, um, you know, I was at the time I was doing op-eds for, uh, El American at, at it was a Spanish, uh, bilingual magazine at the time. And I noticed that I was writing a lot of things about, you know, election fraud. I mean, I'm all kinds of, of, of articles about election fraud and comparing it to the Venezuela and this and that. And, and I started doing this around the time of the election. So November. Right. Right. So I did it for a couple of months. Then suddenly on January 6th, I could no longer write about any kind of fraud whatsoever. So, so it shut that debate down once and for all. And, and that I believe was the motive behind January 6th. I believe that, that these people, these, these, uh, you know, Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, they knew that something big was going to go down because people were wanting, they were questioning. And they were agitated. They were agitated. So they were like, you know what? Instead of talking about the elect, the elect, uh, supposed election fraud, let's just talk about the fact that these people want to overthrow a legitimate election. Call them insurrectionists and then censor anybody that, that talks about election fraud from here on out. Right. Right. And so, so January 6th was the beginning of the end of that discussion. The analogy that we develop in the film, I think quite powerfully is the analogy of the Reichstag fire, which is when a foreign communist burned, uh, the German parliament, the Reichstag. Uh, Hitler, who was then the chancellor, but didn't have dictatorial power, was immediately able to capitalize on that event. And he was, he rushed to the parliament and he said, listen, this shows that subversives are trying to overthrow our government. Again, he insinuated that it was foreign subversives in league with domestic subversives. Right. I need to have dictatorial power. I need to crack down on these people. I need to teach them a lesson they'll never forget. I need to shut this. Uh, and, and, and the German people were like, yeah, let's do it. So, so this is a replay of a Nazi tactic, tactic. Yeah. And, and in that sense, it's classic police state. The, yeah. and, but the, the genius of the police state here is to pretend that it is actually opposing a police state. Exactly. We're trying to stop the election from being exactly. subverted. We're protecting democracy. A legitimate, a legitimate, like, and, and notice that in all of the literature after following January 6th, 
They were trying to overthrow a legitimate election. Or Trump's baseless claims. Baseless claims of election fraud. Right. So that was kind of the, the double speak or the new speak of after January 6th was that there was no basis for election fraud and that, that the only reason that the January 6th, you know, people that went there for, to, to rally or to, to hear Trump speak was to overturn a legitimate election. I think it's really so, interesting also that, that the rhetoric, which is now echoed in the indictments of Jack Smith against Trump and also in the Georgia indictments, that somehow Trump and his supporters knew. <laughs> they knew that the election was fair. They, they didn't really believe that it was stolen. Now, anyone who who has any any proximity to Trump or any of these people realizes nothing. This is about the most ridiculous thing you can no, possibly that's, say. That's all Trump ever talks about. That's all he talks about. Yeah. And in fact, we think that maybe he should talk about it a little bit less. <laughs> but, the, but the fact of it is, this. if there's one thing that we know that Trump believes, it's that the 2020 election was stolen from him. And if there's one thing that we know the Republican base believes, it's the same. You know why? Because I think this is really why no, supporting him. no other candidate has been exactly. able to get traction against yeah, Trump because yeah. they feel like, you know what, if they stole it from him, he does deserve a shot yeah. at re- regaining his legitimate spot in the Oval Office. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop with the MyPillow pillows. He also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. Debbie and I use these. We love them. The sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for your overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but also extremely durable. And Mike's latest deal, sale of the year for a limited time, 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code Dinesh. There you'll find not only this great offer, but discounts on all the MyPillow products, the MyPillow pillows, the mattress topper, the kitchen towel sets, and so much more. The number to call, 800-876-0227. Again, that's 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. You know, in police state, we do identify Trump as the primary target. We then have a, I think, very powerful section on January 6th. But then we address the guy who says... We don't have him saying this in the movie, but this is the this is the sentiment we're dealing with. I'm not Trump, and I didn't go in the Capitol in January 6th, and I'm a law-abiding American, and I walk my dog, and I pay my taxes, and so I do not have to fear. The FBI is never going to come to my door. I'm never going to find myself indicted. And I think the film replies, you could not be more naive. And I think one of the really powerful things about this film is it, it identifies all these. Well, there are two types of people in the film. There are, there are whistleblowers, informants, and the people who know how the police state functions. And that's really valuable because the machinations of the police state, people don't understand. And I think this is a little bit why people tend to come up with conspiratorial theories because you're looking at something that you don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. So it's important to show this is how it works. Mm-hmm. But the other type of person in the movie is ordinary guys uh, going about their business. They might be involved in a in their school or in civic groups or they're pro-life. 
and they suddenly find themselves face to face with the police state. And, and the result is pretty terrifying because it's something so unexpected. It's devastating to these people. It's devastating. And to show their, the way that the police state breaks you and doesn't just break you, it breaks often family members. And so it's wreaking so much moral and emotional havoc on our society. And it's only going to get worse. If it's not stopped. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah, there, there are some really emotional moments. I mean, even even though we were involved in the filming process and the editing process, and it, it, even then, when you see, you know, like, for example, Joseph Bolanos talking about what happened to him, uh, he, and here he is completely just benign, you know, just going to D.C. because he thinks he's doing, you know, it's it's going to be an amazing day. He has no, he, he wasn't even a protester. He didn't even go he in the Capitol. He didn't go in the Capitol. No. He was just, and so anyway, so someone like that, and then, and then the aunt of one of the, the, the men that did go to the Capitol. But again, he wasn't political. She said he wasn't even a Republican, you know, uh, and then to hear what happened to him because of this. It's, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the blow by blow. And this is what a movie can do because. Because the woman we're talking about, Jerry Parnar, was asked to testify, right? Mm -hmm. But right before she went to testify, they told her, I think they told her she has like 90 seconds or three minutes. And so she goes up there and she just goes, my nephew, he went in the Capitol. And and, and she gives a, a kind of summary, but you don't get a sense of how this all plays out in real and life. how it destroyed her family. It destroyed her family. And then there, there are school board moms. I was a school board mom. You know, I was also a teacher, but I remember being pretty feisty about my kid. You when know? they wanted to move the school. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, I can't imagine that that would be that you would think I'm protecting my child. I'm, I'm doing it for the, in, the best interest of my child. And then you have helicopters overhead. Like right. wanting to arrest you, wanting to make they put you, you on watch lists, and uh, surveillance lists, and and, and uh, the other thing about it is, you know, I mean, we have experience in government, we have access to lawyers, so I mean, we worry in making a film like this. Will they try to come after us? But my point is, we have a certain uh, armory that we can deploy if that happens. But can you imagine somebody who's like... But even like, that armory can't protect you. <laughs> well, the, the armory is not is in no way... I, I mean, if they there's want, an... If they want to get you, they'll get you. I mean, that's the essence of a police state, right? Exactly. Which is to say they, they identify a target and then they try to find out something that you did. And this is what I tell people who say things like, you know, I pay my taxes is I say, listen, why don't we spend the next 15 minutes and you tell me a lot of things about your life? Just describe them. And I will then tell you three separate indictments that and can be brought against you, right? You're a doctor. I've got one ready for you, which is that uh, illegally administering pain drugs. All you have to do is find one patient that you gave pain medication to who says, I didn't really need it. Yes. Or And then they accuse you of, yes. of a, a nuts. And so then they come to you and they go, listen, we give you two choices. You can pay a $100,000 fine and never practice medicine again uh, and uh, serve 30 days in jail. Or we're going to charge you with a crime that could carry, let's just say, five years in prison. And you go, five years in prison, my life would be destroyed. Exactly. So you take the other deal, even though you're not guilty and you could defend yourself, but you can't take the risk. Yeah. So this is the way in which the police state legally, and that's the sad point, is they are legally bludgeoning you into taking a plea when you're not guilty 
and they targeted you in the first place. Yeah, that's right. And and this movie really, we I mean, we we show many, many, many people. It has you have more interviews than you've ever had in any of the other movies. So it's it's very impactful. And we bring these stories to life either with authentic police cam, body cam, yeah, uh, or or, or peephole footage. Or in some cases, we recreate the event. And that's the power of a film is you can not just, you're not just told about it, you can experience it. Debbie and I are on a really good health journey, but we still struggle to eat enough fruits, veggies, and fiber. And those are a requirement. Now, lucky for us, we discovered Balance of Nature. And what better way to get all your fruits and veggies plus fiber than with Balance of Nature? This is Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule, so easy to take, made from fresh whole produce. The produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. And this is Balance of Nature's fiber and spice, a proprietary blend of fiber and 12 spices for overall and digestive health. Join Debbie and me. Start your journey to better health right now. Call 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. You'll get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Again, it's balanceofnature.com or call 800-246-8751. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. The uh, point of making a movie like Police State is... To create um, a weapon, and by a weapon I mean a weapon of knowledge, of insight, of information. And so sometimes when people say to me, like, what can I do? I'm like, look, uh, we've done the first thing to be done, which is to say we have created, we not only have told a story, but we have told the story in a way that anyone can identify with, and even people on the other side would be unnerved by so the first thing that you can do is help us to get the message out. I mean, see the film yourself, right? And once again, the website policestatefilm.net is the kind of the one-stop shop because we have this unique distribution mechanism now in which we don't normally open in the theater. We buy all the theaters and then we sell tickets on the website and we have a virtual premiere. Later, we'll have streaming and we'll have DVDs, but all of it coming off policestatefilm.net. So that's the website to to memorize. And we want to ask you to help us, I mean, become, if you will, evangelists for this cause, uh, really for your own protection and for the for the protection of the country. Um, what else can people do if someone goes, I want to help, I want to be a part of the good guys who are fighting this emerging police state? Now, obviously, some of what can be done is institutional. The Supreme Court can do things, ballot courts can do things, the Republican House can do things. Republican governors and secretaries of state, they can do things, attorneys general. Mm -hmm. But what can ordinary citizens do, either individually or in groups? Well, for one, they they need to understand the parties, the political parties. You know, we're all I hear people say all the time, I'm not really a Republican. You know, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. Well, you know what? Unfortunately or fortunately, whatever, however you want to see it. These two parties are what drive our government. And and like you mentioned, the Supreme Court, the appellate court, Congress, those are all directly and indirectly made by people voting for a particular party. So right. if you vote Republican, you're going to get judges that are hard on crime, DAs that are hard on crime. So your cities are going to be safer and cleaner if you vote Republican. And by 
you know, just by, by default, you're also going to create less corruption by, by voting for these people. And it's going to, it's going to kind of, I don't want to say guarantee, but sort of guarantee that you're not going to be fallen into a police state. You're not going to get, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to get the Republican Party. There are elements of the Republican Party that have, as we mentioned, you know, they're, they've bought into the swamp. Right. And that's because there are. I know, so, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But, but thinking back to the Reagan years, I, I don't even remember people using that term. They didn't. They use, <laughs> they use moderates. They use yeah. sometimes, you know, some derogatory terms like he's a squish. Yeah. Well, typically back then we, we would say we're Reagan Republicans. Right. Right. To kind of differentiate ourselves. But from Reagan himself always saw the importance of holding the team together. Right. Kind of like holding the Union army together. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to say, okay, you've got these Union guys who are in our army, but they're soft in the Confederacy. They think that there should be a negotiated settlement. So let's throw them out of the army so that they can actually go join the Confederates. Yeah. No, we don't want that to happen. We actually want to expand the ranks of the Union. Yeah, no, for sure. And and again, you know, if people, you know, they think, okay, well, I don't want to vote. I just want, I just don't even want to vote. Well, then they're actually giving it to the left. They're they're, they're allowing the allowing the Democrats to win. I mean, Debbie and I have we well understand the problems in the Republican oh. Party. We well understand the a lot of the pettiness. Uh, we understand the the absurd uh, operations of the Republican National Committee. Where are those guys? I mean, here's a good example. If if we had made this film on the left, we would have been contacted by the Democratic National Committee eons ago. They'd be offering all kinds of help. We have not heard one word. In fact, and we haven't approached the RNC because we've had bad experiences with them. If we approach them, I can tell you the answer in advance. They will do nothing. They will not lift a finger to help us. So we are, we share that frustration of people who think the Republican Party is yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, it's the only party that offers any kind of hope for a, an America that is more, more like the founding America than the progressive America that's going to throw us off the, the cliff. Absolutely. You know, so, it's a party with a great history. I mean, the, the history of the Republican Party is the history of anti-slavery and emancipation. Mm-hmm. It's the history of expanding the franchise. It's obviously the, the party that's delivered economic prosperity. Thinking back, for example, to the Reagan years, it's the party that opposes the coddling of criminals. And yet it's a, it's a party that I think does have today in its leaders and in its members the intention of rolling back the police state. There's not a full understanding of the police state across the party. There's not a full acknowledgement of who constitutes the police state. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of Republicans who are confused. Am I supposed to be back the blue? If I'm back the blue, how can I be against the police state? Yeah. Yes, you can, because the police state is fundamentally lawless. Of course. Yeah. So, the police state, uh, police, the police force is in there to go after real criminals. So right. people, people need to like understand that there is a difference between being for the police, for the blue, back the blue, and against a police state, which doesn't go after real criminals. It goes after non-criminals. In fact, it lets but, the criminals run up exactly. while cracking down exactly. on law-abiding Americans. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Lots of channels, nothing to watch. 
especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.